everybody. Welcome to today's edition of the One Million by One Million podcast. I'm here today with Mark Selkow of Costanoa Ventures. Now, if you've been following our show, you have heard about Costanoa Ventures. We had Greg Sands a few uh, months ago, and we, uh, we're going to continue the conversation today with Mark. Let me just recap a little bit of the vital statistics of the fund that we are talking about here. This is a San Francisco-based fund that's 175 million, uh, investing out of 175 million third fund right now. Um, they invest in seed and series A, and um, this is a B2B focused fund, and they invest all over the United States. Welcome, Mark, to the show. We'll continue the conversation from where Greg left off. Well, thank you. I'm really, really pleased to be here, and I'm looking forward to it. All right. So, Mark, let's uh, start by painting for our audience uh, a picture of your analysis of the B2B venture market and how you are seeing the opportunity. Yeah. Well, I have my own purview that comes from my experience as an entrepreneur. I co-founded two companies, a -hmm. consumer business in the Web 1.0 era called Baby Center and an enterprise B2B software Mm -hmm. company uh, called Merced Systems that built performance management software for high turnover workforces. And uh, I um, have deliberately chosen to invest in B2B um, because I love the opportunities. I think the um, extent of transformation that's happening, um, uh, leveraging uh, changes in the data economy and AI in particular is really profound. But importantly, because I think so many meaningful companies can be built and can be built in a systematic way um, where I, uh, I found, even though my consumer startup worked really well and continues to be very large in its category, um, mm-hmm. consumer businesses are very high risk. When they work, they work beautifully, but often they don't. And it's harder to research and analyze and know. And I like investing in B2B uh, because I believe um, – a higher rate of the companies will succeed. And uh, that is part and parcel with the investment thesis of our firm and, and, and my own yeah. personal uh, preference. Well, I think part of the, I've, I also did one consumer company um, in my uh, serial entrepreneurship life. And, uh, and that was my conclusion as well. It's um, winner takes it all. Uh, I think in the large consumer place, it's very much winner takes it all. Although I think yeah. in e-commerce, it's not entirely when, when it takes it all. You can do no. niche e-commerce businesses and, and, and still make lots of money on, uh, you know, niche thesis. Yep. But uh, largely, I think B2B has a higher probability of yielding some level of success, even if it's not unicorn level of success, at least some level of success. Yeah. Yep. So um, are you chasing unicorns? Or are you also interested in the broader opportunities in B2B? Oh, yes. We are um, not only chasing unicorns. We are, um, you know, investment threshold does not require uh, that, uh, you, you know, something have that kind of potential for us to get excited about it. Clearly, we like investing in companies that are in markets where we think the upside is uncapped. 
which means mm-hmm. a unicorn is possible if everything goes well, but they're really, really rare. And um, so if uh, we invest at the right time and the right set of terms and a company grows, I don't know, in the hundreds of millions, um, it can be an incredible life-changing and profoundly positive experience for the founders and the team and the employees sure. and, of course, the customers. But it can be an incredible return for us. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, we're building a portfolio and portfolio theory, you know, um, is such that if many of the companies don't achieve unicorn status, we can still accomplish our objectives for our limited partners. Uh, however, it always helps if there are a couple of them that really break out. And so, you know, our criteria do include um, uh, that many of the investments in our portfolio have uncapped upside. Okay. So let's talk about some examples of what you have invested in. And in particular, um, talk about when you encountered the company, at what stage did you invest, and what did they have that that convinced you that this is a really interesting opportunity that you would like to bet on? Yeah. Um, I'll pick a few companies where uh, I'm on the board and very close to the company, and I'll pick um, Schedulo and Lively and maybe Quizlet if there's time. So Schedulo is a company founded in Brisbane, Australia, where the product development team and the founder and CEO were based at Uh, based in their offices there, and they had just moved to the U.S. to come after the North American market, and that's when we were introduced. And what they were doing was really familiar to me uh, with my background, and what they're doing is building a system for work for deskless employees. And what what that means is people who are working uh, in the field, they need to be dispatched, they need to get to their location, they need to deliver a unit of work, the work needs to be documented and managed and measured in some in some closed loop kind of fashion. So a home healthcare nurse uh, goes to a house for a visit, or a home infusion nurse goes and delivers the medication, or a solar installer goes to the or inspector goes to the home to make sure that the the installation is correct and ready to be turned on, or caterers, or pool cleaners, or highway workers. Um, what what we liked and what I personally liked about the opportunity was um, the indelible trend towards uh, gig work, 1099 work, and thanks to the ubiquity of mobile phones, um, the increasing um, ease and reduced friction in enabling workers to get to these locations, deliver the work, and then have the task be documented. We didn't see a natural incumbent and of course, we looked at uh, people who are in the traditional field service market uh, who are building technology for the Comcast guy in the van, you know, or the uh, Verizon truck. And those uh, were not the same. Uh, those systems are, I mean, frankly, really large, multi-hundred million dollar, billion dollar companies were built in those sectors. But a big part of what they did was um, uh, service and repair where keeping track of parts and inventory were, were part of what they did. What Schedulo is doing is uh, a much wider set of use cases um, where uh, no leading vendor existed. So we thought in big trend towards more mobile workers, number one, Mm -hmm. driven by the, you know, uh, mobile phone availability. And then number two, nobody was already there who was going to occupy the space. So we had a chance 
to invest in and be part of the building of a company that could be the winner in what we thought was a big trend. And the team had built a, um, we thought, a very thoughtfully designed and delivered product, um, you know, that included scheduling. And in my second company, Merced Systems, I managed a unit after we were acquired that was scheduling for call center workers. So I understood the value of that application. I, I was in the workforce management sector. Um, so I understood how mission critical it is to, to, to buyers. And these guys had built great algorithms and great mathematical solutions to the optimization and the matching of the skills with the task. But more so, they built a, a kind of a design studio so that some tasks needed a signature on the mobile phone and some needed a photograph. Like the home healthcare nurse takes a picture of your health insurance card and some needed yeah. a simple workflow. And uh, they made it easy uh, for um, uh, customers to get what they needed. So we thought it was a great market, a chance to be the winner with a superior product, and um, uh, we got really excited. So, of course, the thesis for us was, you know, the future of work. And uh, we've been really pleased with that investment. They just announced earlier this week their Series B investment. So they're growing and uh, and thriving and fully capitalized for the next chapter. So that's uh, – I'll stop there and See if you have any questions about that investment. Well, I'm, I'm thinking about a company that I encountered, an Australian company that also did very well um, starting in Australia. And it was also kind of this mobile, uh, you know, temporary workforce management type of thing. Have you seen this company called Deputy? Yes. Deputy has done really, really well. Yep. Really well, yeah. So, I, I mean, what's what's cool and I love this kind of stories are companies that are developing elsewhere outside of the core circle, Silicon Valley ecosystem and doing really well and then coming in um, sometimes to Silicon Valley, sometimes to other parts of the United States and uh, raising money and getting into the U.S. with proven products and, and so forth. So so your story resonates with me. We did a oh, very great. large story on deputy um, a couple of years there ago. Is, um, so we've invested in three Australian companies. Schedulo, mm -hmm. Bug Crowd, and Propeller, um, and there's a uh, there's an explosion of company formation there, and I, I've I've been really curious why. Maybe it's the post Atlassian effect, yep. where people yep. saw, hey, in our hometown, a multi billion dollar, mission critical, amazing company with some really cool founders, uh, you know, was created, and so we're seeing really interesting things. And of course, uh, you know, for example, Schedulo's engineering teams in Brisbane they really can attract the top engineers from the University of Queensland and the Australian government offers a really attractive R&D tax credit. So there's lots of reasons for recruiting and labor retention and doing it cost effectively that, you know, investing outside of Silicon Valley, outside of San Francisco can be really attractive. So we yeah. all three of the Australian investments that we've made have been are thriving. Very interesting. Are there other pockets that you have discovered in your work? I know you invest all over the United States um, well, as yeah, well. So. Yeah, we're in um, uh, Austin and New York and Toronto. We have a Swiss investment. So um, we're, um, you know, active, especially on the East Coast in New York. I, I've spent some time looking at companies in Atlanta, um, which kind of gets to the um, – second company I wanted to bring up called Lively. And mm -hmm. uh, although Lively is in San Francisco, so it, it's, uh, it's a bit of a departure from what we were just talking about. However, 
it's in, um, in an area that I'm personally excited about, which is fintech. Mm-hmm. And uh, I first got interested in fintech because at Merced Systems, the, uh, one of the companies I co-founded, we had lots of financial services customers who would use our software in their call centers. And um, it, I saw from the inside, from the gritty underbelly of the, uh, the, the processing environment, the claims and transaction environment, the call centers, just the uh, crazy litany of systems that had to be integrated with and normalized, you know, for the purpose of getting, getting work done. And, and that had me leaning forward, particularly into uh, insurance and, and banking. Uh, and so uh, when I heard about Lively, I got, I got very excited. And what Lively is, is an HSA bank, um, much like uh, an HSA bank that you would see with the traditional uh, banking companies, you know, like B of A and Wells Fargo. And there are, of course, specific HSA banks that are, are really doing well. But what got us excited and got me personally excited was the rise in uh, high-deductible health plans. Uh, as a strategy for bending the cost curve and helping, um, you know, re- reduce the burden of healthcare costs on the overall economy, the strategy being arming consumers with a, a little more motivation to be judicious in their healthcare spending and taking a play out of the 401k playbook. So if a consumer's employer or an individual on the individual marketplaces decides they want a high deductible health plan, um, they are eligible to open an HSA bank. And if you do that, you can move money from pre-tax dollars into your bank account, and then you can use that money to uh, buy your, um, your health care uh, services that you need at the doctor's office, at the pharmacy, at the optician, where, where, uh, wherever. And uh, the money can be invested uh, if you'd like to keep it long-term and you know, uh, make the most of it with those pre-tax dollars, or you can spend it, or you can leave it in a deposits account. Um, there are some very significant companies that exist in that sector. Uh, so I knew it was meaningful. We had a market thesis that um, more and more employers were going to steer their employees to high deductible plans because they work. Um, and there seemed to be a possible regulatory tailwind where um, HSAs have been proving so effective that the constraint that you had to be on a high deductible plan only might be relaxed at some point and anyone would be eligible for an HSA. So we thought this was a, um, a market that had some positive trends. And we were interested in Lively because uh, I had an HSA with a different bank that I won't name, and it was not a good experience. Uh, you know, people will tell you that sometimes big incumbents who've been around for centuries can't innovate in technology, and the HSA products are kind of like that. And the guys at Lively created a, um, a, a digital platform that was just a better experience for the saver and the healthcare spender, and uh, the service was incredibly high. I opened a Lively account. I moved the money from my old one. I was expecting to have to scan and sign and fax forms. And uh, I just got an email saying, your funds are available. Do you want to invest? Do you want to save? And the education started coming on, did you know that you can use HSA funds for sunscreen? It's summertime. Did you know? I didn't get oh, any wow. of that from my prior, my prior bank. Did you know if you forget to bring your debit card, you can take a photo with your mobile phone of the receipt and therefore have it be an eligible expense? Things where I thought, oh, these guys get it. They, 
they get how millennials want to live and work, and especially those who um, you know are really mindful of their healthcare premium dollars. Um, so uh, fintech was an area where our firm and where I had a personal interest. We mm-hmm. saw a great market, but we saw in this case. Um, a chance for a superior product, a superior digital experience to be really meaningful at converting market share. So we invested in Lively in the fall of 2018, and uh, we're really glad we did. The company is doing incredibly well. Okay. And you had a third example that you wanted to discuss. So the third example um, uh, is a bit more of an example about our firm and how we support uh, companies uh, and its Quizlet. So we, we started with us uh, talking about how uh, Costanoa is a, a B2B firm. Um, yep. Quizlet is our one exception. Quizlet does have um, business users for its products, uh, uh, but it, it does have a large consumer component to it. And you can think of Quizlet as, as being the ultimate global platform for flashcards. Uh, but really what it is is user-generated content around anything you need to learn and master available either for free or for a subscription and uh, is used widely, worldwide, uh, across all ages for mastering a subject, starting as early as, let's say, middle school Spanish. If you want to learn your vocabulary, uh, I've got three kids. They all use Quizlet in school every day, all the way through to I need to get my real estate license and there's an exam or I'm studying for a state department or secret service exam or I work at Whole Foods and I need to memorize product codes. So there's business use cases uh, as well as uh, consumer learning. And uh, we learned about the company because I had a friend who was one of the founders there and we saw incredible network effects of just this flywheel of people creating content, sharing it with their friends, sharing it with learners. And people were beginning to subscribe for premium features like the ability to work offline or the ability to have, you know, ads uh, disappear or the ability to create groups in a more private uh, and secure way. And we thought it had the potential to be really massive. Um, So let me get to the the main point around how our firm operates. Um, In order for this investment to make sense, um, the uh, person who was the CEO at the time needed to step uh, step aside uh, for some personal reasons, and uh, I raised my hand and said, I'm willing to step in and be the interim CEO of this company, and mm-hmm. I did that. I uh, did it for nine months, all the while recruiting the right person to be the long-term leader, and we found an incredible guy, Matt Glotzbach, who ran product at YouTube which Mm -hmm. is perfect for what the company needed. User-generated content, subscription model, um, a global expansion opportunity. Quizlet is now um, a top 10 Quantcast website. It's one of the top 10 destinations that people in the U.S. go to uh, online. It has uh, something like 100 million users every month. And the business itself is really growing over over 100% a year. And... uh, I don't, there are probably other firms who would have done this, but at Costa Noah, we saw the opportunity. We were willing to have one of our employees, me in this case, step into a really intensive role because we believed and had such conviction. So the first two opportunities were very um, uh, lively and schedulo, you know, uh, market conviction. We really believed in a mega trend. 
that was also true at Quizlet, where we believed in lifelong learning. We believed in network effects and user-generated content flywheels. Um, but we also believed that the best way to support the company and have the investment work is to be operational as a firm and be willing to step in when it's needed to be either helpful to the founder or be in a leadership role. So these are all examples of how we think and how we operate. Interesting. So I, uh, Quizlet reminds me of Course Hero, which is a company that we've covered extensively as well. Ah. Um, right? That's, that's kind of yeah. the space. Yeah. It, cool. Yeah. I, I am not as familiar with Course, Course Hero, but there are, um, you know, the world of, um, you know, kind of online mastery and online learning is pretty rich. Um, Course Hero is doing things. tremendously well. Right now, you may oh, want good. to check out Course Hero. It's uh, actually you'll find lots of uh, a couple of great interviews about Course Hero on my uh, on the One M by One M blog, and and uh, it's a super interesting. Well, anyway, you know, so, I will say I I believe under this umbrella of future of work, you know where Schedulo fits, and another investment where I'm on the board called Springboard, which is upskilling and uh, people for digital careers. I think Quizlet fits there as well. Like, you know, people have licensing exams, certifications. Sure. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, it's not just ed tech in the conventional sense. It's, uh, you know, people, especially younger people like millennials, do change jobs more frequently, and technology is changing. They need to gain and acquire these skills more rapidly, and Quizlet yeah, and, and, well and the big success, The big success of that subscription model of EdTech is Pluralsight, which we started covering a long time ago, and they have been phenomenally mm. successful even as a public company. So it's a, it's right. a trend that is validated. Yep. I, it is for real, Okay. Very cool. Very cool. So now if you look back on the last 12 to 18 months of your deal flow, what do yeah. you see? What trends do you see? We see... Uh, you know, I'll t we see, um, uh, I think this is probably a norm. We, we see fewer um, traditional business function SaaS. We see more um, software where data is at the center of the value proposition. So there might be functionality on top, but there is um, – access to a proprietary data source like you know we can access radiology systems and so we have this like rich visual image library and then there's software on top of it uh, so ai or ml to pick an example I, I see this in fintech and underwriting models where you know we're just not we're not just a lender you know we have a data strategy that's unique in terms of the underwriting and therefore how we lend so what's special is less the functionality. Um, uh, what's special is the access to some proprietary source of data. So we see yes. more and more of that, and we're really, really excited about that as a as a trend. It changes we're how we're following that one. Company. That one we're following as well. Quite uh, we've covered quite a few companies in that space. Um, Lendio is doing kind of like a meta uh, of all the various small business lending um, oh. stuff. Uh, Earning and PayActive are doing uh, consumer lending, yep. but people who against uh, paychecks and uh, stuff like yep. that. So yes, and this is true in insurance, in insurance tech as well. There are um, there are new categories to be insured, like how do you insure Uber drivers and how do you insure 
autonomous vehicles and um, you know, so there are new models applied to old businesses and then there are new businesses like cyber insurance is a classic example that's fairly crowded now, but um, so it's still insurance. <laughs> Somebody has to uh, go find the customers and sell them and they're still actuarial and underwriting. Someone needs to figure out how much risk appetite there is and how to price effectively. You still have claims you need to process. So some things don't change, but the um, availability of new types of data can really transform these sectors, and we're really interested in that. Yeah, okay, terrific. Um, is there anything else you want to add to this conversation before we wrap up? Um, no, except that I, um, uh, you know, right where we started up front about huh, all these companies in Australia, uh, I, I, we are seeing more and more really exciting companies come from other cities and other geographies. Yeah. And it's, th it's thrilling, you know, because I think um, it will get easier. A flywheel will be built if there's not just a few companies in Birmingham, Alabama, but dozens of companies. And then before right. you know it, people stay instead of leaving. And then people go and move their company there because there's yes. a nucleus. And so... Uh, we're really excited as investors, and we actively want to invest outside of Northern California uh, because we think the talent is everywhere. And uh, I just think that's really, really important, and we would continue to encourage people to uh, reach out to us and all the other people in the Valley ecosystem uh, to let us know so we can come to you and see what you're yeah. doing and support you. Yeah, we're also very excited about that trend. You know, the best, one of the best examples of this, uh, you know, virtuous cycle is Utah. Utah has produced a number of mm. wonderful companies and has had good exits and good IPOs and so on and so forth. And it's it's really booming. Utah is really booming right now from a ecosystem point of view. Yeah, they call it Silicon Canyon. I can't remember there's a name for it. <laughs> it doesn't have to be Silicon anything. I, I, I hope we move away from Silicon blank. Oh God. I, I, oh boy. Yeah, I've heard enough. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but I agree with you. I used to go to Salt Lake all the time at my second company. We had lots of there's a lot of call centers in Salt Lake City and all around Utah because the, the language there's a light accent. The language skills are great. It's like a great workforce in Utah, um, and uh, so there's all this talent to draw on for technology. And I think it's like that Atlassian effect in Sydney. You know, yeah. you have. Um, you know, really interesting, interesting companies in, in Salt Lake City. And then there's a natural, uh, natural effect that follows it. That's, that's great. Yeah. And the skiing is great. So I <laughs> yeah. Well, terrific. It was a great conversation, Mark. Thank you for reaching out and uh, we'll connect offline. Audience, thank yeah, you for thanks. listening. Great. Thank it's, you very uh, much. Nice to be with you. You're very welcome. Audience, thank you for listening. Please come back for another edition soon. And uh, we will also be available at all the uh, weekly free mentoring roundtables. Go to the website and register to pitch or to attend and, and bring your projects. Those are working sessions. We will strategize on your projects. And hopefully we'll be able to give you some pointers on how to move forward. See you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>